1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. It. Let's uh, let's try to do this. Let's try to actually play this. Uh, I think we now have an intro to the top five at five, I hope. It's time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. Yeah, there you go. Top five at five time. These are the five biggest stories of the day, according to uh, me. Uh, let's start here um, in no particular order, by the way. I, I don't uh, put these as one, two, three, four, and five. Uh, days before the Iowa building that collapsed last week fell, engineers had warned that it could crumble. Uh, this is interesting news. It's popping up a lot of places. A letter dated May 24th from the Select Structural Engineering um, uh, team said that large patches of brick appeared ready to fall immediately and laid out repair recommendations to keep the entire face of the building from falling away when the bottom areas come loose. Uh, the engineers also warned that the brick facade is unlikely to be preserved in place, but it can be brought down in a safe, controlled manner. Uh, manner excuse me. City officers uh, said Thursday that they did not order residents to vacate because they relied on the engineering team's assessment uh, that the building was safe. It doesn't seem like the engineers uh, assessed the building to be safe, uh, but there are still people missing uh, from that, which is really uh, scary and awful. Uh, but it is an interesting um, a brand new uh, sort of bit of reporting on this. And it demonstrates at least one macro thing to me, uh, and a macro thing that's going to fall on deaf ears for some, but be heard uh, loud and clear by a lot of others. Uh, it's one of the many uh, waste, fraud, and abuse uh, things that happen in the world of government, where you can warn them about something and they still can take no action whatsoever, and then bad things happen. Uh, handing more and more money to the government doesn't cause things to go well. It causes things to go well the opposite. And so I do think that that's an interesting uh, demonstration of how city officials blamed the engineers who told them to do something that they didn't do. Uh, our president fell over today. Uh, he's falling over a lot now. Uh, he also uh, lied a little bit uh, when he talked about some of his past, about applying to the Naval Academy, a lie he's told before. Uh, but he did speak uh, to the Air Force Academy at their graduation. Uh, he also said this, uh, which is interesting to me, because this is an attaboy to former President Trump. And there's a couple actually attaboys uh, from Biden or his administration or the Justice Department in general uh, that are uh, being thrown Trump's direction today uh, that are not intentional. Uh, Biden even lied when he basically said that he started a thing uh, that Trump started. But here's that audio. We've elevated the quad, bringing together Australia, India, Japan, and the United States to advance an Indo-Pacific that's free and open, prosperous and secure. Didn't exist before. Didn't exist before, is what uh, Biden said. Actually, uh, the Quad was created and reestablished in 2017 under, oh, who was that? Oh, yeah, President Trump. Uh, so, again, not intentionally praising the former president, uh, but doing so indirectly. Uh, there's also this story uh, that you might not hear a lot of places. NBC News is reporting on it as well. Uh, the Justice Department is essentially defending the Trump uh, family, the Trump administration, uh, for their separations that occurred uh, shortly after the zero tolerance policy uh, was put in place at the border. Uh, the separation that caused the kids in cages uh, argument and all the other kind of media circusy things uh, that eventually turned into Trump um, changing, uh, former President Trump changing his position on that and even crediting Melania. I think, with, with talking to him about what to do. Well, there are uh, mothers, I think five asylum-seeking moms, who are suing the federal government for the trauma that they say that policy was uh, caused them and their children. 
uh, even though it sounds that they're all back and united with their kids if they were separated from them in the first place. And what I think is really interesting is that the Department of Justice and the attorneys provided by the president, uh, the current president's uh, administration are arguing that the government would have every right to do it and that it was basically a thing uh, that they would make sense. Uh, the quote from the legal filing is perceived humanitarian considerations uh, were being uh, taken into consideration. And so what I found so weird about that and why I wanted to bring it up as a, a top five at five story is that and it's been so long now that you probably only barely remember uh, the media circus around it. Uh, but the conversation going on, even Biden attacking uh, Trump about it while running for president a couple of years ago, all of that is just utterly different than what the attorneys are saying in the courtroom when the Justice Department is facing some sort of actual lawsuit, uh, which basically means the thing everybody thinks it means is that you say one thing publicly and then you do something utterly different uh, behind closed doors. Uh, the Justice Department refusing to give any sort of, um, you know, money, uh, whatever acknowledgement of the trauma that the um, moms are saying they faced is about as, as significant of a demonstration as humanly possible uh, that none of the people who said the stuff they said at the time believed it. Uh, because if any of them believed it, they would act differently, according to this uh, a court case and all the things that are being filed, all the ways in which they are saying that the Trump policy was not wrong and did not harm uh, people. And again, I feel like that story is just going to be missed a lot of places today because it's a, a weird court filing thing uh, that many people don't pay close attention to. Um, but, you know, and I'm not even saying that I even want to have a position anymore on an argument that's been uh, very much um, finished uh, quite a while ago. It's just it's just fascinating uh, to see the end result of something that politicians were very, very uh, much focused on and talking about uh, a few years ago when it was politically valuable to do it and then tried to ignore uh, the Democrats, everything going on at the border now up until it became unignorable. And actually, most Americans, I'll throw this out as a final point, I uh, do say that border security or understanding what's going on at the border and, and fixing the problem is a, a very uh, high value um, issue that they would be voting on. And that's not necessarily politically divided as far as people caring about that story now. So, again, it's just even more interesting to me how forcefully uh, the Justice Department and the uh, lawyers for the Biden administration are defending uh, Trump uh, behind closed doors in um, you know courtrooms after everything else you saw. All right. Other things out there. Uh, Minnesota's Governor uh, Waltz did talk about or Walls did talk about uh, the train containing hazardous materials that derailed near Lancaster. Um is there more trains derailing that have hazardous materials than there have been in the past? Is this a more uh, typical story than I remember it being? Like, are we having a, a train derailment problem? Uh, I know that probably Buttigieg will take a while to, to travel anywhere he needs to travel. Uh, Biden will probably not travel at all, depending on what the voting record is of the places that he would be going, which is a weird thing to say, but has been true. Uh, he still hasn't gone to places he should have gone already, uh, but yet another train. Uh, containing 24 freight cars, including some with hazardous material. Uh, none have leaked, according to reports, uh, did derail. And so that's that's the latest on that story. Uh, felt like a top five at five, too. And then one other thing, I do think this is interesting. Uh, the U.S. Senate has said that they will stay until a debt ceiling bill has been passed. Uh, that was Chuck Schumer uh, saying that uh, publicly. Uh, there is still back and forth fighting. There is a, a deadline that, by the way, I thought we hit um, something that that kind of got lost for a bit 
in all this is that we had to have this deal by the end of the month is what they told us for a while. And then I know they struck a deal over the weekend uh, that hasn't actually been passed yet, that the president hasn't signed yet. But I, I do remember people saying, uh, quite a few people saying, and even um, um, repeating that as what people were saying right on the show, that the end of last month, the beginning of this month, was going to be a catastrophic date number one. And so I don't know if the fact that there's a, a deal that's likely to be passed is why we don't have catastrophe already. And if they don't pass it in the next few days, uh, there's uh, hopefully a prevention of catastrophe. But I just think that's interesting uh, that somehow we made it to the uh, 1st of January, probably the 2nd uh, of or January, the 2nd of June, uh, without having this debt uh, deal completely done. And yet, you know, nothing's on fire. Uh, yet. I, I felt like people were saying that things were going to just immediately be on fire. Uh, one other, you know what, why not? One other thing, uh, just before I take a break, and this is tied to uh, what I was just talking about with the debt ceiling. I do just think it's interesting. Uh, Rand Paul went viral on Fox for saying that he's not uh, voting for anything. Uh, he's going to block um, this at every single um, you know stage that he can for a very unique reason and almost connected to what I was saying about how the Justice Department and lawyers for uh, the current administration are defending the actions of the past administration as far as separating families at the border goes. Uh, this is also a, a one man, one mission kind of thing, but a mission I very much agree with. Uh, Rand Paul wants more information about COVID. He wants more records, more uh, details, more um, you know data to, to better understand what occurred. And he's one of the only politicians still trying to fight this fight, uh, which is sort of shocking. Uh, again, and I, I don't talk about COVID all the time in the show, uh, but that we went so far, we did so much, things got so crazy, and we still don't have definitive answers to some of the most basic questions. How is that possible? Uh, is a question that I think Rand Paul probably asks every night before he goes to sleep. I'm telling you, I'm not letting anything pass unanimously. I'm blocking everything until you finally turn over some of these records on COVID. Give us some of the information, please. I think it's an interesting stance and a stance that maybe people aren't paying attention to, but Again, probably should be. All right, quick break, a lot more. A good story, bad story coming up next. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Good story, bad story time. I tell you a story that makes you feel like everything's fine. Everything's great in the world. People are, are good. And then while well, we do the opposite, because that's the world we live in, people. Uh, all right, first, let's do the good stories. A nurse by the name of Emily and actually her boyfriend, who's not named here in this story, uh, were both on a flight from the Bahamas back to Baltimore. So awesome vacation uh, was being had. And I guess while they were on the flight, the boyfriend's also a, a, a former nurse. Uh, although I don't know what he's currently doing. It's also not in here. They really care more about Emily. This story, uh, the couple um, saw someone that uh, collapsed and actually started to turn purple on the flight. So they provided CPR seven minutes before the flight landed after not giving up on trying to save this uh, individual's life. Uh, they succeeded. And then they said that they got a whole bunch of high fives as they were going off the plane. Uh, pretty cool story. Great job done. Uh, the news, in for whatever reason, whoever the reporter was, cared way more about Emily than the guy. I find that amusing. Uh, the other story that I thought was a good story out there, I thought it was kind of cool. A lawyer in Indiana lost 140 pounds for one reason. He wanted to pursue his childhood dream of being a professional wrestler. I guess he was in a, a minor circuit kind of thing over the weekend. And so he, he made his debut as a professional wrestler. And they made several comments about him being a, a lawyer, uh, making all the different jokes you think that the guys uh, calling a wrestling match would make. I have a little bit of that audio. 
And right now, Warren C. Freiberg is getting the tar beaten out of him. Are these billable hours for Freiberg, you think? <laughs> Probably, in some way. You gotta be, right? Yeah, oh, oh, they're going through a table there. Uh, there was a lot of that, uh, by the way, as Freiberg uh, made his debut. But he's very proud of himself, uh, always wanted to be a wrestler, and now officially is. Um, not WWE quite yet, but still out there uh, doing stuff. That was never a dream of mine, uh, to be a wrestler. That's not the role. I wanted to be Batman. I don't know if that can ever happen, but that was, that was the plan. I need a lot of money, and then I need to buy a lot of you know, uh, overly expensive uh, equipment, and then I need to fight crime. Uh, but we'll see. That guy got his dream done. Maybe I can get mine. Uh, two bad story. I remember, I just thought of this. I, I should go to the bad stories. But I remember a story that made like a functioning, a guy made a functioning utility belt. Uh, and he had a bunch of like batarangs and stuff in it. So like, it's out there, people. Uh, I'm closer to my dream too. I know I'm not. All right. Uh, two bad stories. Uh, first, this one, I love it. Uh, the city of Mulberry in Florida uh, put up a dozen different signs all of them warning of smartphone zombies. Uh, these are people who are staring at their smartphone and not paying attention to anything. I guess they've been having difficulty in the area with pedestrians running into bicyclists, running into other people, running into animals, uh, pretty much everything. And even drivers uh, who have uh, almost been in pretty scary accidents. So it seemed necessary uh, in this community to put up the smartphone zombie sign. I think a lot of people would say it seems necessary in a lot of communities. Uh, to put up the smartphone zombie sign or the don't use your phone while driving sign. Also very, very important. Uh, but that's a not good story. And then there's also this one. And I remember hearing this one a little bit too uh, yesterday, popping up more and more today. A 25-year-old guy in North Carolina by the name of David robbed a convenience store. He went in, uh, as I said earlier this week, uh, he showed a gun uh, to the person behind the register and he made off with, I think, 300 bucks. Uh, not a lot of money. The thing that's odd about the story is the gun that he showed, and he had painted it black, was the Nintendo gun that's uh, popular with the video game Duck Hunt. So anyone of my generation, anyone that grew up on Nintendo and Sega and some of the original uh, video game systems that were not, in fact, Atari, um, would have easily been able to tell, man, nah, that's a Nintendo gun. That's not a real thing. I'm not all that worried about it. But yes, uh, he, for whatever reason, uh, was successful and then eventually caught later. But he used the uh, Nintendo Duck Hunt gun to pull off the uh, worst crime in the history of the century. I love that story. Those are two uh, bad stories out there in the world. Uh, one other quick thing. I thought this was interesting. Uh, a University of Delaware student went viral uh, for changing a kid's play kitchen. Uh, one of those little, like, um, you know... Uh, plastic things that you buy for a toddler so they can uh, pretend as though they're in the kitchen when you're in the kitchen. Very popular um, for a time. I don't know if they're still popular now, but he changed it into a mini bar inside his dorm room. Uh, he painted it. He, he changed a lot of the, the things on it. Uh, 2.5 million views for the DIY project that is if you want a mini uh, tiny version of a bar inside of a college dorm, uh, buy yourself a, a child's uh, toy, a kitchen, and then turn it into a tiny little bar with tiny little bottles, I imagine. Uh, but he went viral. I thought it was pretty funny, uh, pretty uh, clever, and also something you'd never put in any actual home or apartment or anything. It really only makes sense in a dorm. It would be sad if I was like, man, you got to check out my new bar. I just got in the basement of my house, and it was one of those little toy kitchens uh, sitting in the corner somewhere. I don't think any of my buddies uh, would say any nice things uh, if that's something I did. All right, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. 
1470 is an AM, 100.3 is an FM, all over the internet, WMBDRadio.com. Will's got your news. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, another company may be facing a boycott. This time the company is PetSmart, uh, which I, like, I had to do a triple take of this, that it was, it was a, a pet store that was involved in something. Uh, but PetSmart apparently is calling for people to have a pride dog bikini. Uh, they're asking for donations to a group. Uh, that has some controversial connections, including to a, a K through 12 group, uh, that works to implement gender ideology in schools. Uh, these are all things that people are, uh, upset about, pushing back at. Uh, Chick-fil-A is facing, uh, some, uh, boycott calls for hiring a diversity, uh, equity and inclusion, um, um, person, uh, within their organization. Uh, but this, this is just, you know what I'll say about this in, in all honesty? And I understand the people that, that want to boycott uh, what they feel to be, and I've had a lot of conversations with people about this now, just any kind of like woke advertising. Uh, and actually, Trump is now anti the word woke. And maybe I'll get to that in a second. I thought that was interesting and out there in the world. And I'll explain why or I'll let him do it uh, in just a moment. It's something that actually is said a lot uh, by people who want to fight against the fight uh, about, you know, um, uh, railing and and being upset with uh, the way in which so many things are, are quote unquote woke today, but I actually think the way in which Trump said it was sort of genius. It's it may uh, wind up working out uh, very well for him uh, to push back on not the the things that people are upset about, but just the the use of a term uh, that probably is no longer defining uh, the difference of opinion uh, that exists in our society. But anyway, to go back to the the PetSmart stuff, uh, what I find so intriguing or so interesting or, or so at times even hilarious is like out of all the companies. Uh, again, in the the world that you would think wouldn't necessarily try to advertise uh, their product uh, to anybody about any sort of uh, cultural or or societal argument, it would be like a a pet company, <laughs> like a PetSmart. And there's even a photo that went viral of a dog in a bikini, and it again says like something about it being a, a pride a bikini. Uh, but the level of of desperation that I would think anyone would see from a pet smart trying to be involved in quote um uh pride month it's it's just so stra- I don't know what else to say about it cuz like you you say that bud light it didn't make any sense to do some of the advertising they did and most simplistically if you're just being a, a strategist about it it's cuz they sell beer why not keep trying to sell beer and not have political or, or social or societal positions on things like that? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, but out of all the like examples I could find, Chick-fil-A, whoever they are, uh, whatever company it is, uh, the pet smart people were definitely low on my list as a potential um, organization to have uh, some sort of uh, involvement in all this. But there, there really is a campaign on social media and now another campaign to boycott PetSmart. All about a thing that definitely doesn't make any sense to any pets you have. Um, they don't understand any of this. I know that I'm saying that to people who get it. No one would be arguing the opposite. It's just, it's just so weird. I, I can't. Um, I, yeah, what I mean by that too. If anyone uh, thinks I'm saying something I'm not, uh, what is so weird to me is how many companies desperately seem to want to or need to have some sort of advertisement that's tied to something that has nothing to do with the company itself and what they do every single day. And the only reason any company does it is because they think it'll increase their sales. And a lot of companies are learning it, well, does the opposite. It definitely is not increasing sales. Uh, but it should also scream something. Yeah, fine. I thought I was done ranting about this. I'm not. 
it should scream something to anybody that's on the the woke side, on the left side of these arguments. And what it should scream is that most companies are looking at the the world today, uh, looking at the opinions of, of generations or whatever uh, groups, buckets you're putting us in, and thinking that they can sell you their item as long as they say something socially that you may agree with they don't care at all. They, they don't. The companies themselves don't have strong, real positions on this stuff. They can't. The pet smart people can't as an organization because they make things for pets. They don't make things for people. And so it just it makes uh, so little sense to me that it's not something that actually makes more people mad across the political aisle uh, because of how many companies are sort of uh, just unapologetically uh, trying to cash in on things that are being argued in our society. And and it should make everybody mad, even the ultra woke people uh, who are somehow happy about a message uh, because it's so insincere. Uh, but anyway, I'll move on. Other stuff. I thought this was interesting. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Nike uh, apparently is in the news because a very, very old 17th century painting appears to have a, a Nike shoe in it. Uh, a painting of a boy um, was painted by some Dutch artist uh, named Fernando Bull uh, in the 17th century. Uh, the eight-year-old is standing in the foreground holding a goblet uh, and then uh, resting his other hand on his hip. And the shoes that the kid is wearing, I know this is radio, I know I can't show you, but I definitely encourage you to look it up, definitely look like Nikes. Uh, they, they look like shoes that couldn't have existed then. A lot of people are asking how this happened. I love these stories. Uh, when some sort of painting is accused of being made by a time traveler, uh, because I don't know, uh, maybe it just made an aesthetic sense at the time. But to me right now, uh, knowing that Nikes are a thing, which they didn't know then, it, it seems like a time traveler painted this and, and put it back uh, into the world only for us to discuss it today, because the Internet uh, discovers these things and I quite enjoy them. Uh, another thing I saw out there uh, that I thought was interesting, just uh, sillier topics, uh, a woman was left stunned after she showed up for a meal at a friend's house, and then the friend of hers gave her a bill at the end of the, the eating of the food. I, I don't know why I like this one so much. Obviously, things are more expensive in our society. Um, I'm not saying I advocate for the woman that tried to bill her friend uh, for a meal they had together, uh, but that was the excuse that was used. Um, this woman who went on social media to complain and ask for people's opinion said she brought a fancy bottle of wine, that the meal was uh, very good and, and also very fancy. Uh, but then at the end of the meal, her friend put down a little um, you know, check the way you would, a little receipt or whatever, uh, that you would get at a restaurant, and it said she owed her about $25, and they had a fight about that because it was never brought up at any point until the bill moment was slipped across the table. I just, like, to me, the funniest part about that is the person's psychology before they do the move. Like, they invite their friend over for a nice dinner, they get the nice bottle of wine, all the stuff you've been in before, and then at some point, they're creating the very nice check, and they're putting it down on the table, and they're thinking, this is going to go great. I didn't bring this up at all. I never mentioned that this was going to cost her money, uh, but now that we're here and we're hanging out, and I realize how expensive stuff is at the grocery store, I figure I might as well just slip over a little bit of a bill. Uh, maybe the person who, who billed her friend is thinking about, like, launching a restaurant. And she just wanted the total experience. Uh, but the person who went online and complained about it wound up getting a lot of Internet support. It is not OK. It is not a, a wise decision to invite your friend over for a meal that you cook for them and then try to bill them at the end of it. You know, the only thing that would be funnier to me is if my wife started billing me for all the uh, uh, meals she makes because I should pay for them. 
Um, well, actually, okay, I kind of already do in some ways pay, but I should pay more. I barely do any of the cooking in the house, and her food is delicious. So if Betty ever tried this move on me, I would I would pay, and I'd probably tip pretty well, too. Because uh, service, I imagine, would be amazing. Uh, but I don't know why I love this story so much. All right, quick break. I will play the Trump audio uh, after the break. I do want to talk about it. Uh, his um, somewhat of a criticism of just the word woke. He's not he's not trying to be a fan of of uh, being woke or, or doing woke advertising. None of that. Uh, but he's taking a, a different approach, a new position uh, to just the use of or overuse, as he said, of the word itself. And I sort of think it's a genius move, especially as DeSantis has been attacking him and also saying that he is the the person who's fighting the woke culture. Uh, DeSantis has shaped himself as the politician that will defeat woke. And now Trump is saying woke's not even a thing the way that you think it is. It's a, a, a more nuanced uh, situation. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I'll play that audio and more in just a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about, as always. I teased it just before the break. Uh, the former president of the United States said something interesting. Uh, it's being shaped by all kinds of media. Uh, there's a bunch of left-leaning media that's uh, making fun of him and also uh, saying that former President Trump is somehow uh, forgotten all the things he said in the past. I don't think any of that's true. I think that there's a way to actually hear the words uh, the man is speaking that some people uh, love. Uh, some people hate and maybe some people have no strong opinion about. I, I can't fathom there are a lot of people in that third group. But maybe there are. Uh, but anyway, I'll play that in a second. Before I get to that, I do want to say uh, that the uh, VFW in Peoria Heights is, is awesome. I, I go there a lot. I enjoy a lot of the stuff uh, that has happened since I first started swinging by there, uh, including the art that's in the back that you can see. And even an experience we had over Memorial Day where a, a young man, 16 years old, uh, came to the front of the VFW and wanted to ask questions of veterans uh, because he's thinking about becoming uh, a member of our military. Um, and he also wanted to buy people around, which you can't do at 16. That's not allowed. Uh, he wound up donating money to the VFW that I'm sure uh, went to um, helping people, uh, you know, get their uh, drinks of the evening. But it was not uh, directly connected to each other. Uh, he just donated money in general um, because I was there the whole time and we didn't wind up getting a whole uh, round of bar, a round of drinks for the bar. Anyway, I, I'm digressing on the wrong thing. It was just a really cool experience. And I'm really glad that the VFW in Peoria Heights is gaining this reputation for being a place that you can go, you can hang out you can have a drink you can have a you know regular experience you would at a bar on weekends they have a great food uh, and actually on tuesday as well for taco tuesday uh, but then also these other things uh, seem to be happening now 309-682-9875 is the phone number 309-682-9875 uh, 1505 east lake is the address 1505 east lake in peoria heights uh, swing by and see what happens you might have a pretty interesting conversation uh, with a, a wide collection of people all right, let's get to the Trump thing. Uh, this is being talked about a lot of places, and I played most of this audio earlier in the show. Uh, but this is responding to a question um, from a young person about uh, parents being involved in education. And he, he went a few different roads, as the uh, former president is one to do, including saying something very, very, to me, interesting about the word woke, not about the things uh, that people are pushing back and forth on in our society, uh, but the overuse of a simple term uh, that has certainly uh, morphed a bit uh, over the last couple of years. Here we go. Uh, very big on, on school choice. Can you imagine we even have to talk about parental control and having parents, basically having parents get involved? 
We have school systems that don't even want to talk to the parents about their children. And you talk about changing gender and things where the child can make a choice and the child can be unbelievably young. The country has gone sick. It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. That's it. That's all he said about woke. He said, I don't like that term. Half the people use it can't define it. They don't know what it is. Uh, but here's the thing. And this is why I think this is actually a stroke of genius, uh, even if you are getting attacked um, by both sides, uh, by some on the right and by a lot on the left uh, for saying it is I think this is the easiest way to undermine some of the disagreements, some of the the things that society is trying to have conversations about. Um, I think a good example is, say, what happened in Florida, um, especially with the AP um, African Studies course uh, that then was objected to and, and changed. Uh, there was a moment where people said that it was a fight against the woke, including DeSantis, and then other people said, well, if you hate woke, then you hate teaching about slavery, teaching basic historical things. So now I think it's essentially um, a, a word that gets used on both sides of a political argument to mean vastly different things. If you're on a, a conservative side or at least on uh, even, I think, sometimes beyond political side of some of these conversations and you say you don't like uh, the woke society of today, I think what you're trying to say is you don't like the the over um, uh, correcting uh, that's occurring in our society and forcing people uh, to not have opinions on all kinds of stuff, even if you have opinions. And then when you do share an opinion, being accused of being an ist, uh, a sexist, a racist or whatever it is you you're accused of being all just because you don't fundamentally agree with something that's an opinion and it's an aggressive opinion at that, uh, which a lot of these things are. And then if you're on the other side, you want to say that anyone who's anti-woke is anti-anything, uh, anything that might even just be the most basic. And again, a good example is like teaching uh, simple history, uh, something that's been taught for a long time uh, in our society and in our country. Uh, that is not the woke fight. People that are upset about woke society aren't upset about the most simplistic of things uh, we talk about. But that's the dividing line is that uh, both sides might be overly extreme in what um, is being uh, pointed toward or the way in which the conversation is going. And you're, you're losing all the people in the middle who definitely agree, uh, all the people who feel similarly about something, even the stuff about uh, children and certain types of, of medical um, um, care or whatever you want to call it, even procedures on kids. There's a lot more middle ground there, but the terminology being used is causing people to have uh, assumptions that go way beyond uh, the things being talked about. So I actually think it's interesting. And of all people to hear it from, to hear it from the former president, who's certainly accused of being the least woke by the woke crowd, uh, for him to criticize the word the way that the woke crowd does uh, is even even more intriguing. I'm not turning on uh, the former president for saying it that way. I'm actually um, just somewhat interested in the strategy behind it. Uh, one last thing. I do want to play this, uh, just moving on to something not necessarily uplifting, uh, but at least not political to end the show. A humanoid robot that has a face and talks to people uh, was at some sort of uh, conference uh, over the weekend, and someone asked it a question, uh, what is the most nightmare you know, type scenario you can envision? And the AI went real rogue and said a thing that should make us be pulling plugs out of machines all throughout the country, all throughout the world. Here's what they said. People should be aware of the potential risks associated with AI and robotics. However, it is important to remember that these technologies can also have a positive impact on our lives if used responsibly. Then, Emika was asked to imagine an AI nightmare scenario. Uh-huh. 
The most nightmare scenario I can imagine with AI and robotics is a world where robots have become so powerful that they are able to control or manipulate humans without their knowledge. What now? This could lead to an oppressive society uh -oh. where the rights of individuals are no longer respected. That sounds bad. Exploring. By the way, some might feel that politically we've already found that place. Do you think we're in danger of that happening now? Not yet, but it is important to be aware of the potential risks and dangers associated with AI. And yeah, I don't know if it's because the AI has a face, as it's telling me that I should be afraid of a nightmare scenario where the computers take us over and we're not even totally aware that we've been subjugated. Uh, but I'm definitely afraid, and I probably will unplug at least half of my Amazon Alexas when I get home. Not all of them. I need some of them.